This is Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. And now here's your host, Steve Teal. Steve Teal, Very Bold Radio and Podcast. Some very pertinent uh, interview today. Just really excited to bring to you Craig and Rachel Dennison. They're of Christian parenting. They're of so many things. We could use the whole show talking about what Craig Dennison does. We had him on Very Bold about a month ago, talking about First 15, talking about anxiety. Uh, very powerful interview, and we just love Craig so much. We're like, man, I bet Rachel is even better. No, we didn't say that. Craig and Rachel, how are you doing today? We're doing great, Steve. How are you? Good. I'm just giving you a hard time, man. I just, uh, we loved you so much. We wanted to meet Rachel. Rachel, how are you? I'm doing awesome. You're doing awesome, man. That's, that's solid. I am. <laughs> you are. Are you convincing me or yourself, Rachel? I'm trying to figure it no, out. No, I am. I really am. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Okay. Well, I want to ask you about that in just a second, but I want to tell our people on Facebook Live and on KSLR and, of course, the podcast that uh, they are among many things, first 15 uh, worldwide devotional hitting millions of people each and every day. Um, also, Christian parenting, perfectly imperfect. And there's a new book uh, slash workbook, which is pertinent to me only because it is about uh, newborns. And I'm not having a newborn. I'm done with that. But uh, <laughs> our middle child, Jessica Nelson, and her husband, Jordan, are due in late February or early March. And the new book is A Parent's Guide to a New Baby. So help me out so I can I can look wise as I talk to my daughter and give her all this great advice. So tell me <laughs> tell me why you guys wrote this book and I'm so glad you did. Well, honestly, yeah. we wrote it because when we looked back on our experience, everyone knows that having a newborn is hard, but I feel like and I feel like our experience echoes most people's experience that you kind of have to stumble your way through it. Yeah. And you learn the hard way. And we really uh, want to help equip new parents with just the lessons we learned along the way, the principles that we learned that we found valuable that really um, not only helped us get by, but thrive with a new baby. Mm, that's good. That's good. Even on your back cover, it says parenting a newborn is real hard. I love that. <laughs> it is hard. It's real hard. <laughs> but Rachel, tell me like when you were pregnant, did people tell you ahead of time, like this is going to be so hard. Was it ever discouraging? Like, I feel like people say that. That is literally all that people told me. Alongside with the workbook, we, we created a podcast called So You're Having a Baby. Oh. And um, we have like a whole episode on how other people are crazy towards <laughs> pregnant women. Like it's absolutely insane. The stories that I have, the experiences I have from both pregnancies that I've had. Oh, my gosh. Uh, and I mean, it's unbelievable because you'll have people that you don't even know. Like we have this story of this woman at, uh, I think it was at a Walgreens. And I remember I'm like super pregnant with Wes, who's our first. Yeah. And she's like, oh, are you scared? And I was like, what? <laughs> she's like, are you scared? Oh my and I was like, God. about what? She's like, about birth. And I was like, 
Oh, I mean, yeah, like I feel like I have a healthy amount of fear. She's like, you should be, <laughs> you should be, this is horrible. And she starts like, giving me her horror story about how she almost died in labor and all these things, you know, and you're just like, okay, thank you. Well, I'm still pregnant. So this is going to have to happen no matter what. There's no way out of this. <laughs> oh my, there's no take backs now. What? Yeah. So that is just incredibly helpful. That is just so yeah, – why? Exactly. <laughs> why would somebody do that? Oh, my goodness. All right. Any other uh, quick horror stories on what people will say? I, and I'm going to yeah. verify this with my daughter. This is amazing. Yes, Rachel, you have to tell. This is my favorite story. She doesn't like to tell the story, but because we're live on radio and I'm saying that she has to now, she has to tell this story about when we were buying a couch and the lady that sold us our couch and how crazy she is. Yeah, so I was pregnant with our second this time, and I was probably 38 weeks pregnant with my second. Yeah. Okay, and so that means I was big. Okay, that there's no way around it. And he big. was a big baby. He was eight pounds, I think 12 or 13 ounces, so he was already a big baby. Yeah. And this precious, uh, wonderful saleswoman, she was looking at me, and I could just kind of tell she's just staring at my bump. And she's like, so, are you having twins? Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, no, I'm not having twins. And she says, are you sure? No, stop it. And I said, um, yes, I'm sure that I'm not having twins. And she said, well, you're about the same size as my niece, and she's having twins. Oh, my gosh. I know. And I'm buying, like, a couch from her that she's getting commission on. Uh-huh. And this is how she's speaking to me. Oh, man. Wow. Okay. All right. That is, uh, those are some horror stories. Craig, thank you for forcing the issue so that Rachel could share that story with us. That's what I'm good for. I'm happy to just do that this whole conversation. That's That's what I'm throwing under the bus. (laughs) You're just ready. That's great. That's really good information to know. Um, all right. Well, talk to us how you decided. Well, I want to congratulate you on not writing a thousand page book. I, I mean, I have seen those thousand page books and some of them are, are very popular, but they just look to me like so overwhelming and I'm really mm-hmm. glad. And who has time to read like thousand pages? Um, I think you're the, the length that you guys have chosen to share some things for people to go through together. is just awesome. How did you decide that? Yeah. So really the, the goal was we really wanted to create a workbook. We're really passionate about. Uh, being able to empower parents to figure out what is the right uh, setup for them as yeah. a couple and as a family and to empower them to make their own decisions for what's best for them. I think there's so many different scenarios of how we raise kids today. I think there always has been, but especially today, yeah. that what we really wanted to do is just be able to articulate some principles that we think uh, produce a level of peace, that we think produce a level of purpose to enter into this season with a sense of confidence, um, but really to create a conversation to start between us us, between spouses so they can use this more as a guide to help them create the scenario that they want to have for their own family so to have the right questions so they can process some things that i think they'll be happy to process before the baby gets here or as soon as the baby as soon as they jump into the workbook whenever it's helpful for them so yeah so the goal wasn't really trying to inform people or teach people everything they could Mm -hmm. know about having a new baby i think scenarios are too different to be able to do that well the goal was to help start a conversation they could carry forward to craft their own environment of what works best for them. Man, that is really good. I think that's just great, just creating that space for conversation and guidelines mm-hmm. just to, you know, things that you're not going to be thinking about. All right, let me ask you this. This wisdom and these insights, 
um, when you were you when you were in the midst of all of this, uh, were you realizing things on the fly, or is it now that you look back and you're like, oh, we should have done this or we should have done that? What what is it? Um, I would say that a lot of it was stuff in the moment. Yeah, that we just from crashing and burning. <laughs> They were like principles, like, whoa, something has to change. <laughs> so we're like <laughs> implementing these principles of, you know, different things that we learned. Like one of my favorite topics in it is that self-care is baby care. And we have a whole <laughs> week on this idea of balancing suffering and self-care. So figuring out the tension between, because it's going to be suffering. Like you're not going to sleep. <laughs> Breastfeeding is really hard. Um, family boundaries are really hard. Different things like that. It's a strain on your marriage. But learning to balance those things with self-care and awareness and awareness of your, your spouse's needs so that you both don't drown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I want to hear about that self-care, but can you talk to us about, I'm sure Craig is happy to prompt this. Can you talk about some of the marriage tensions that happen during this time? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think there's this experience, uh, you know, when you're married, but, but before having kids, yeah. I think there's this tendency to think that things are really tough and stretching, and they really can be. I think every season we get stretched in some different ways, and I think God uses that intentionally in our lives. But I don't know that there is a season that's as immediately stretching uh, and stretches as far as when the baby gets here. Yeah. And uh, everyone feels stretched, and I think all of us know in relationships Things get tough when you feel stretched, you know, right. it's hard. Uh, I struggle with sleep in general. And so I know the days that I don't sleep well, I'm going to have a hard time being able to communicate well. I'm going to have a hard time being really present with the kids, being really yeah. present at work. And uh, and when that's the environment for, you know, weeks or months with having a newborn, things just get tough all across the board. And I think it's hard whenever you feel stretched to be able to see what's going on in the life of your spouse or in those that you even love and are close to you and uh, to be able to have capacity to help be able to come alongside and love those people well and provide things they might need or even want. And so that stretching process means it can be really straining on a marriage to have healthy conversations, to get time away, those things we look to as core rhythms for healthy and vibrant relationships, especially in marriage, kind of go away at least for a season and or can go away. And they, yeah. and they can especially, some, I think I think we see often, they can go away for far too long and be too far and too, too, uh, in between. So yeah. that marriages really can suffer when people have kids and sometimes suffer in a way that they don't ever necessarily come back from that or that stretching wow. process doesn't produce ultimately redemption on the other side. And so that was a large value we had in this is how do we help instill some principles or talk about some principles early on in this process so that as you are inevitably being stretched, as you're inevitably growing in the season, that that process actually is a redemptive process that helps you be closer to as, as spouses as opposed to more distant or far apart. Man, that's good. So what are some of those principles? I, I mean, really, right now, I'm just thinking of my, my daughter and uh, son-in-law. I'm just thinking, okay, what what is going to help them? Yeah. So one of the main things that I feel like we have run into and that other couples have run into, we have so many friends that are in our same uh, kind of sphere of life right now. And yeah. it's this this new whole massive list of responsibilities that mm. just gets added onto your plate. Um, and I feel like oftentimes gender roles don't help that. And yeah. so a lot of times they go on the mom's plate yeah. while all the while the mom still has all the same responsibilities that she probably had before. Um, and so one of the 
big things that we encourage people to do is communicate that your spouse is not a mind reader mm. to communicate a, like what you need practically. So like, Hey, I really need you to do the dishes because I don't have capacity to do them right now or the laundry or yeah. walk the dog yeah. or whatever. All these same things are. The world is still spinning. And then also communicating what's going on internally. Like, Hey babe, I'm really suffering from sleep deprivation right now. I really need you to take the next feeding so that yeah. I can get a longer stretch of sleep or so that I can take a nap or whatever it may be. So like finding ways to communicate really clearly in that season and not being afraid to communicate really clearly. Cause I think the thought of inconveniencing others and inconveniencing your spouse to speak up for your own needs can be really challenging for a lot of people. Yeah. And so just encouraging people to like, Hey, you need to just draw near and like kind of come in close and be mm. really very candid and vulnerable with your spouse in that season instead of retreating and not communicating. Right. Was that something that was pretty easy for you to do or did you have to learn to do that, Rachel? God, no, <laughs> no, 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 no. And so that we've, we've really put in hard work over the past couple of years of not only, you know, learning to communicate better with each other, but that's come through like going to personal therapy, realizing why do I have a hard time communicating my needs? Mm. Why do I have a hard time being needy in general and like having needs and, and, and why am I afraid to take up space in this family and use my voice and like, mm. you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. add to the stress just because I exist. Right. <laughs> and so just both of us going to individual therapy, going to some sessions together to just kind of help us, get the skills that we need to communicate, especially when you're sleep deprived and it's heated and you're both exhausted and stressed right. to your max. Right. I'm just trying to remember. It's been a while since those sleep deprivation sort of days. And I think, um, and maybe my wife, if she was sitting here was, would say, well, that's cause I was always getting up with the babies. Maybe <laughs> just maybe. Um, but, uh, yeah, Craig, talk to me about your experiences with that sleep deprivation and how in the midst of feeling like you're crashing and burning and trying to figure things out, um, what that looked like for you to, you know, pick up on that Rachel needed your help more or whatever the case was. Yeah, yeah. It's such an interesting process because it's stretching for both in different ways. And yeah. so I remember feeling stretched myself with, okay, I'm supposed to still do this job that has you know, our scenario is that I'm the breadwinner in our family. We don't believe that that has to be the case, you know, for right. the dad to be the breadwinner. We're really uh, proponents of people creating their own best scenario for their family. And so take this, if you're listening to whatever your dynamic is, or whatever yeah. your preferred situation is. But in our family, I just happen to be the breadwinner. And so as work is increasing in responsibility, so it's family increasing responsibility and all that, I need to be able to be growing personally and spiritually as well in the midst of all of that to accommodate the growth and all these different spheres. And so I'm getting stressed. We have this really funny story where uh, we created a system for us that was I would go and wake up the baby, try to actually get him awake, which feels like a little bit weird to torture a newborn with like a, w a wet wipe or something cold <laughs> right. to wake up to actually eat. But that was part of what my job was. And so I get the baby up and give him to Rachel. We either do a bottle or she would breastfeed. And I would try to stay awake with her during the process and then put the baby back down. And inevitably, I'd fall asleep. And so we had this one time she's up with the baby and I fell back asleep like usual. And uh, she's trying to get me to wake up to put the baby back down. And I'm like, 10 more minutes. And I said, just 10 more minutes again. And like, she's letting me have these like once a time. 
And so finally she's like, Craig, please wake up and go put the baby down. I'm like, I just need 10 more minutes. And she's <laughs> like, I've given you 10 more minutes three times. Get up and put the baby down. And I pop up like awake and I say, it's just what I needed. And then I put the baby down, fall right back asleep. Next morning we wake up and I'm like, hey, babe, good morning. How are you doing? And she's like, hey, you were kind of rude to me last night. Like, I don't understand like, why you can wake up and do this. And I'm like, I literally have no memory to this day. Wow. Like, I have no memory of saying that. I have no memory of falling back asleep. Like, I was so sleep deprived that I just, that was like subconscious wow. Craig. I sounded like Napoleon Dynamite, if you've seen that movie. Yeah. Saying like, it's just what I needed. <laughs> it's exactly what I needed. <laughs> but it That's is awesome. just like stretching for both of us in the process. And so... It's been really the the redemptive part of all of it is it really has opened up a framework for us to have a lot more intentional conversations because we had to. I mean, we cannot get by. Uh, we definitely couldn't thrive if we yeah. were not having intentional conversations around how do we build a system that works for both of us as both of our lives are getting crazier. And uh, even adding a layer to that that's been really rewarding lately is is being able to add a layer to the, not just what do we need, but what do we want out mm. of life? You know, modern, mm. how do we not just get by with young kids in this pandemic, but, you know, what are those things that really make life feel abundant for us? And yeah. For me, that looks like personal growth. And I love reading. I love journaling. I love processing and thinking and learning. Mm-hmm. And Rachel loves to have fun. Like that's the yeah. main thing that makes Rachel feel like our life is going well as if we're having fun. So how do we make more space like Friday night to go out and get a sitter if it's our neighbor across the street and go out and play putt-putt for fun and like goof off? Where that's not my normal right. MO is to think of things that are really fun. That's what Rachel values. And so creating ways that we can have consistent fun as a family is really important for her. And so something she wants, we don't need fun. Fun isn't a need, but fun is really important for us as a family. So things like that, I think even communicating not just needs but wants is a really important process, even as it extends to that newborn season as well. Okay. So you guys have had to find that balance. I mean, you've discovered that Rachel, I mean, that fun is, is like a value for you. And then Craig, though, your, your kind of fun value or whatever, not fun, but, um, is reading and learning and things. So how do you balance between the two? How does that work? Yeah, I think it's been cool for us to realize that both of those are helpful. Like part of the value of relationship and marriage, and I think why God set the world up the way that he did and values marriage the way he does and uses it so often in Scripture as a metaphor for our relationship with him is Mm -hmm. there really is this growth process that happens for both of us in the process of this relationship. Like I need to have fun. Uh, I, I should be having fun. Like it's not something that I think of consciously, but Anytime we get out and do it, I realize like how beneficial it is yeah. and how good it is. And, and, and the same thing for Rachel, for us, for me to say like, Hey, I'm reading this book. I would love to talk to you about the things that I'm learning oh. as it relates to like media consumption or this concept of like this new idea of engaging with God and, and invites us into a conversation around spirituality or being intentional with our family dynamics or making some changes to the kind of systems that we create as a family. And all of that is growth for both of us. Yeah. And, as we complement one another, that together, that actually helps both of us individually and as a family be able to have more of an more of a abundant life experience as a family and individually. So, I think that's been a really fun real, realization in the midst of all of this. What do you think, Rachel? Yeah. Well, and I think too, we have learned to make space for those things for each other. Okay. So whether it's like Craig watches the kids, puts them to bed, does all the bedtime duties while I go out and I have like a girls' night. Yeah. With a couple friends and we go to dinner or something. And so like it's us making space. It's the give and take and the compromise for each other. Craig really 
when he says his whole thing is learning, really it means that he's a hermit. And <laughs> he would literally, he just really needs alone time yeah. to just sit and that's think funny. and be mystical and whatever all that is. <laughs> and that's like a huge thing for him. And so we make space. I make space for him. Like during nap time or, you know, I'll take the kids to the park and he just gets to be his little hermit self and sit and read and have his cup of coffee and just get recharged. So it's like, what recharges you? And then making space and saying to your spouse, hey, it is really valid to me and important to me that Mm. that's what you need. So we're going to make space for it and doing that for each other. Rachel, talk to me. I've got two questions running in my mind. One is, as how old are the boys? How old are, are the boys again? So Wesley, our oldest, is four. He just four. turned four at the okay. end of August. And then Wells, um, he will be two on December 6th. Okay. So he's almost two. This is some pretty fresh stuff. This is some pretty fresh oh, stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, all right. I'm wondering just as it emerges as they get older, like, I mean, are they going to have different needs and wants? Like how, Rachel, you know, you have a need for fun and that extroverted recharging and Craig has that need for, you know, introversion hermit time. Um, I wonder, you know, if it's going to change the dynamics as you realize, Oh, you know, Wesley or Wells is kind of needs this. I'm just curious. I don't know. Any ideas? I mean, yeah, absolutely. We've been even talking about that on our podcast a little bit. Like your kids are going to have wiring, like your kids have wiring and they're people and they, and even now I would say they, they really need stuff like Wesley really needs FaceTime. He is like, Mommy, look at me. Daddy, look at me. And we'll like pull our face in and like, let's go get ice cream. <laughs> so he's very wired like I am. I'm like, yes, baby, let's go get ice cream. And we just make space for it. It's like not convenient ever. But it's like, he's like, Mommy, I really want to go to the park. Like he just needs to get out of the house. And like, so I think it's just yeah. even like that, allowing your kids to take up space and wait in your family emotionally and like personality wise, not just like, they have to go to soccer. They have all these duties, but it's like making space for like, Wesley, what do you want to do today? Like what's in your heart to do today and right. figuring out a way to make it happen. Yeah. I think we've like been trying to grow to see our family as this opportunity to be able to be stretched by meeting the needs of others and have the support system to also meet needs and wants inside of ourselves okay. in a way that's healthy, you know, to where we can be healthy individuals without, you know, the health or availability of the family around us. But there is this great invitation and opportunity in that to see our family as this great support system for one another yeah. and as a place that, that can help provide a system or support for getting those needs and wants met. And uh, seeing that as kind of like the primary goal of our family of how we uh, treat one another yeah. and uh, creating that system from the start as something that we've been really trying to value so that it can stretch and grow with all of us inevitably as the kids get older and we get older and job responsibilities increase inevitably and all those things. Yeah. Oh, that's good. That's always good. Um, Rachel, let me ask you this. Like as you were, I mean, mom to, I mean, new, new little one, then new little ones. Um, and it sounds like, you know, you, you have this kind of social need or whatever, um, for those interactions, those relationships, whether it's your girlfriends, whether whatever, what did that look like for you as your new mommy? Well, okay. So with like Wesley, I really have, I feel like the coolest story ever. Um, right before I had him, three of my very best friends moved away, which is like crazy. Like they didn't even get to meet him. Like they were just, they moved all across the country, literally. Like I have to get on a plane to see them. Mm -hmm. Um, and so I kind of was freaking out and I was very lonely and I just started praying, God, Mm. I really need friendships. You know, I need friendships. 
And I ended up meeting this woman named Brittany, who is now one of my very best friends at a nail salon. Yeah. Her and my other friend, Christy, were just, they were like popping a bottle of champagne, celebrating one of their birthdays and getting pedicures. And I was like, these are my people. (laughs) And I just literally was vulnerable, went up to Brett and I was like, hi, I'm Rachel. (laughs) This is awkward. I have a two month old baby and I live in Lake Highlands. And they said, we have two month old babies and we live in Lake Highlands. And I said, wait, what? And I'm like, she's like, uh, she's like, where do you live? I was like, oh, I live on this street. And they're like, we live on that street. What? I'm like, what? And so mm. honestly, it was the beginning of a beautiful friendship where we joined this like new moms group in, at this local church where they organize you by zip code. So all of these moms, we all live in the, like walking distance. Wow. And coffee playdates were like gold, <laughs> literally, where we could literally all be sitting around together, nursing. I mean, it was like very vulnerable situation and the kids are running around and we're changing diapers and we're all just drinking coffee together and the babies all kind of grew up together and learned how to play together. And it was like, honestly, the biggest gift I've ever received is like these precious moms that like, we're going to see them on Friday and like her daughter and Wesley are literally best friends and have been best friends since they were like three month old babies. Oh man, that is awesome. That is an incredible story. Literally awesome. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. And Craig, what about for you, like with your personality needs at that time, what did you do? How did you get your hermit time? What What did you do? Yeah, that's, man, that's a great question. Yeah. So still trying to prioritize like the value, even in sleeplessness, of uh, even getting yeah. 15, 30 minutes to journal and read. And for me, the last, you know, number of years, uh, core rhythm for me has been like, uh, actually like meditation and contemplation and just mm being able to sit for 10, 15 minutes in silence to start the day makes me feel grounded and makes me feel known and makes me feel connected to God. And so even 10, 15 minutes of that, I'll I'll even put my AirPods in and like do a guided, you know, contemplation meditation, like in bed (laughs) before I get up, if the kids are going to know if I'm up or whatever that is. So that's been like a rhythm for me. And then now we just look for those little spots. Like, like Rachel said, what's what, what's been funny, I think for a while, Rachel thought like, oh, if I go do these girls nights, like that's less time for Craig and me. And we don't, we already get so little time, but it's been, I love, like, I love getting just me and the kids time. Cause I feel like a great dad and like I focused and I feel like I know them more, yeah. but I can just take care of all their needs for a night or for a weekend even. And uh, so we do that. And then she's off with her, with her friends. And I get, when I have to put the kids down, I'll get, you know, a couple hours just to myself when she's gone. And that actually became something that was really helpful for both of us, even though we're we're apart from each other. So just taking advantage of little opportunities, nap times for sure, Mm -hmm. uh, of nights where she can go and have, you know, time with her friends, of weekends for her to go like on a girl's trip. And then when I travel for work, I try to really soak up time on an airplane or in a hotel room to recharge as much as possible as an introvert. Right, right. Gotcha. Okay. And just um, if uh, if y'all can give us a few more minutes, can you speak to um, receiving a higher heavenly calling as parents? And I'm reading verbatim uh, what you've written, receiving a higher heavenly calling as parents. Can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, man, that's something we really wanted to wrap up the workbook with. It's such, there's so many practical needs in this season of and parenting in general, but especially with the newborn. Uh, I mean, there's so many things you have to do practically and learn how to do with sleep training and the things we're talking about with sleep deprivation or whatever it is. 
Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's really important to go into that season or if you're in that season as quickly as possible to realize the invitation that God is giving you in, in the process of having a newborn and starting or expanding your family to, to be able to have this as an experience that also connects you to Him wow. and to realize that He ultimately is our Heavenly Father. And there's so many, I feel like I know God so much better mm. when I go into parenting my kids with eyes wide open and I'm seeking uh, to see these different experiences with my kids as an illustration of his love for me yeah. uh, and the love that I have for them. As imperfect as my love is for them, I know a greater love than I've ever known in having them in my life. Yeah. I know what it's like to sit with my son and all he wants is to play trucks over and over and over again for yeah. an hour. And nothing about that is exciting for me as an individual, but it's time <laughs> with him. And yeah. I love seeing him enjoy himself Ooh, and the good. gifts that I've given him. And that is one example. Every time I sit down to play with him is an opportunity for me to see that, you know, God doesn't necessarily have an interest in these things that yeah. I love doing as an individual. He does have an interest in them, like inside of himself, like they don't satisfy a need of his, mm. they, but they do satisfy his longing for relationship with me. And he loves to be with me in the midst of whatever I'm doing. He loves mm. just the opportunity for me to do that in connection with him. And he doesn't need anything, but he desperately wants us as his people and has gone to such great lengths to have us in the coming of Jesus and the sacrifice of Jesus's life. And uh, so there's this opportunity just playing trucks with my kids yeah. that to be connected to my relationship with God. And I think that also promotes a sense of redemption in these really trying experiences of having a newborn to realize that there's an invitation for God to do a deeper work in our hearts. That can be a lasting work in our hearts and can ultimately help us get connected to a sense of abundant life and redemption and perspective that can produce so much fruit in us, even in this really difficult and trying season. Dang, you've got such a way with words. All right, Rachel, I want your perspective. I, I'm so fascinated to hear both of yours. He said, she said, on receiving a higher heavenly calling as parents. Totally. So for me, it looks different because I'm a control freak <laughs> and a perfectionist. And okay. you want so badly to be like the perfect mom for your child. And I think that mm. literally every mom I know feels that way. Okay. They want to be exactly what their child needs yeah. and 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 really support their child and not fail them and all these things. Right. Yeah. And, um, I think when you receive it as a higher calling, you realize that the pressure is off of you. Mm. The pressure is on God where it belongs. The weight of it is on mm -hmm. God. And so I know that like, even just having like toddlers now, basically I, I really worry about like discipline or the way that I react when they do something bad or when they're yeah. being really disobedient or whatever it may be. And then I really worry over the relationship and I worry, Oh, have I ruined him? Have I, yeah. is he going to have so much trauma from me as his mom, you know? Right. And um, my therapist friends are just like the best and my yeah. therapist is the best, but they remind me that, you know, relationships are fluid and they change. And like one of my really great friends, Morgan Myers, she is a licensed uh, therapist and, one of the things she's taught me is that like to think of parenting almost as like um, a potter with clay and like mm. the, the clay goes around and around and around and you may have like a nick in it or something like that and be like, Oh darn, I don't like that. I don't like the way that's looking, but that it keeps spinning and that you keep getting to mold and shape it and to think of it more fluid than as like yeah. set in stone, if that makes sense. And that yeah, has does. really helped me just to let the pressure be off of me <clears> and let it, you know, let God be in control of, even this whole thing of raising these two wonderful special boys. Cause it's, I really do see it as the highest calling on my whole life. It's yeah. 
And the greatest honor I could have is being able to shape and be a safe place for them and to help them cultivate who they are and who God is. And, and so I think that's been like the most helpful facet of that for me. Man, that's good. You've got a way with words. Both y'all, I love the different <laughs> perspectives that you bring, but uh, man, it's so beautiful. All right. Uh, the book is A Parent's Guide to a New Baby. And uh, I want to ask you just any kind of, not last advice besides get the book, but um, for uh, for my daughter, Jessica, and uh, son-in-law, Jordan, any just last thing you want to make sure they, they know? Yeah, I think what comes to mind for me is that every day really is new. And uh, like Rachel's saying, you know, it's, it's I think God uses uh, the process of our failures even to, mm -hmm. to ultimately use them in, to greater depths and even our successes and molding and shaping us and opportunities to engage with Him. And so every day in this, I feel like we're failing forward every single day. Mm, but just good. actually embracing that process, I think, is a really important way to engage with that. Even in, in, We can even have joy in the midst of our failures, knowing that as we fail forward, we, we increase our life and we, uh, that there's a model for that for our kids. So I think take the weight off of, of perfection, like Rachel said, yeah. and expect to not do this perfectly, but know that it's actually Scripture tells us that God meets us in His most able and capable to work inside of our lives in the most powerful ways in the midst of our weaknesses, not in the midst of our of our strengths. Good stuff. All right, Rachel, how about you? I love it. Y'all are so awesome. It's hard. I have so many. I feel like I could Good. share with them, but it well, honestly go, go ahead. it would be to do the hard work now. <laughs> okay. Start communicating now. If your marriage is not like this beautiful place of vulnerability and communication yeah. where you can speak freely, it's time to start figuring that out. Like, okay because it's just going to get harder. And so it's really just setting yourselves up to thrive and setting yourselves up to be successful, to be able to just speak from your hearts and to be known and to ask for help when you need it. And yeah. And yeah. just remember that the pressure really is off. And okay. I think when you're able to like go through that process and do the hard work and figure out why am I a control freak? What is going on with me starting that process? You are able to actually live with the pressure being off and it like safeguards you in those really stressful times. Okay, what would you say? This is the last thing, really, for real, just like I did with Craig about a month ago. One more question. Uh, Rachel, <laughs> um, you remember maybe. Uh, so if somebody's listening today and they're like, man, I, I do want that in my relationship, like where do I start today? I mean, I know that's me, a tough always, one. I know. I feel like I'm always going to point people to therapy. Like I feel like especially if you're if you don't have that. Yeah. And if you're even afraid to have that conversation with your spouse and be like, hey, I don't feel like I can really even ask you for help because of the way that you react when I ask mm -hmm. or something like that. Like maybe taking time to look at your insurance. If you have insurance and see, hey, what, what therapies do you cover? What do you care cover for your counseling? We're huge advocates for therapy yeah. and breaking the stigma and realizing that it's for normal people if there even is such a thing. Right. Um, right. But even it would just be if you mm -hmm. can't to just – Tell yourself, hey, babe, this is really hard for me, but I want to sit down and I want to talk with this about you and try to be as open and vulnerable as you can. Yeah. 
Okay. And I think one way to do that is to, to use, we really like this phrase of separating out impact and intention. Yeah. And so you can kind of, I think, disarm some of the heat of the conversation by saying, hey, I really actually trust that your intention is to care for me. Mm. Your intention is to help meet the things that are going on in my life needs and wants. And all right, I know that your intention is to love me, but the impact of when you do this is this on me. Like, that's what I feel. Yeah. And so you're not bringing up the whole person as a problem or the whole of the relationship as a problem by mm. saying, when you do this, the impact of this is uh, uh, is this on me. Uh, but I trust your intention that, that you can kind of have a take the heat off of a conversation when you need that. So that's one phrase that can be really helpful to start a hard conversation yeah. is to start with a trust of intention, but sharing the reality of an impact. Man, that's good. Y'all are just good. Come on. Y'all are just <laughs> awesome. All right. Uh, just a reminder, christianparenting.org, perfectly imperfect. First 15, the daily devotional resources that Craig uh, is all behind. And y'all, I don't know, you, you guys do so many things. And uh, this book, of course, Parent's Guide to a New Baby, and it's a workbook. I love that idea of conversation and helping couples to talk about this. I'm really excited about that. Y'all are just doing some amazing things and we appreciate it. And you're still, I mean, gosh, what are you going to learn tomorrow? What are you, what are you going to learn the next day? You've got a four-year-old and a two-year-old and a lot going on. There's just more to, to keep learning. And I love that idea, that reminder of failing forward as well. Oh, thanks, Steve. Thanks so much for having us on. Really appreciate the time. Man, appreciate you guys. You guys are such a blessing. Stand by real quick while I sign off. I just want to say goodbye to you off air. Um, but that is Craig and Rachel Dennison. Again, ChristianParenting.org and that book, uh, Parents Guide to a New Baby workbook that couples can work through. What a, what a great gift for my daughter, Jessica and, uh, her husband, Jordan. So I'm excited about that. And uh, First 15, great way to start your day every day. And they have so many more resources. Um, we could just sit here all day talking about it. It's awesome what you guys are doing, and you guys are a blessing. So I want to remind our listeners and our viewers um, that what we're doing here with Very Bold is we're just trying to remember our hope that we have in Christ and our hope that God gives to us in one another through relationships. And maybe your relationship, you're struggling right now. And maybe there's just a little boost from the conversation you've heard today about opening up some, some things, whether it's finding a therapist or a counselor, or whatever the case may be, or just sharing from a vulnerable spot with your spouse. You know, God wants to build on this today. If you're feeling in a point of hurt, he wants to build on that. He wants to bring healing to that. So I want to remind you that Christ is right in the middle of whatever you're feeling, whatever you're going through. And that is that just brings me great hope. He is with us and he does bring his perfection through our weaknesses and his strength through our weaknesses. That's the God we serve. So I want to remind you, just as the Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 3.12, this is the hope that we have. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold. Very Bold Radio and Podcast with your host, Steve Teal, bringing encouragement through God's Word and through inspiring interviews. Go to VeryBold.com for information and updates and email Steve at VeryBold.com. <laughs>